well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm glad that you're with me today. So, uh, I said on yesterday's program we were going to talk about the debate, expecting and anticipating that there would be some mention of the Second Amendment, uh, perhaps during the uh, uh, topic uh, about the Supreme Court, perhaps during the uh, topic about violence in our cities. Uh, but no, the Second Amendment did not come up on uh, Tuesday night. Interestingly, uh, Joe Biden did not mention his gun control plans. Chris Wallace, who has uh, embraced Joe Wallace's uh, plan to ban AR-15s and, and, and commonly owned magazines in this country, didn't bring up the gun control issue. Uh, and unfortunately, President Donald Trump didn't bring up the issue uh, either. And I, I thought that uh, President Trump actually missed some opportunities uh, to go after Joe Biden. You know, it was interesting. Uh, Trump, uh, beyond the um, <laughs> the chaotic uh, back and forth uh, and beyond the um, uh, the president, uh, you know, wanting to critique uh, Joe Biden in real time uh, as he was talking, I, I thought that the president did land a, a couple of solid blows uh, to the Biden campaign, the the line that uh, uh, President Trump has done more in 47 months than Joe Biden has done in 47 years, I thought was a very, very good one. Um, but unfortunately, you know, there there were opportunities for the president to bring up Joe Biden's gun control record. Uh, for instance, when Chris Wallace asked uh, Joe Biden uh, about packing the Supreme Court and Biden refused to answer Chris Wallace's question, I, I thought that would have been a, a perfect opportunity. Uh, for the president to say, you know, something like, look, <laughs> we've all heard Chuck Schumer say that uh, court packing is on the table. We, we've, we've heard Sheldon Whitehouse, uh, you know, in the Senate talk about if the Supreme Court that doesn't rule the way that he wants, that they'll have to reimagine the court uh, and add more justices. Uh, so why isn't Joe Biden talking about whether or not he agrees with these Democrats and what that would mean and then go into what a, a Supreme Court pact with Biden appointees would mean, including what it would mean for our right to keep and bear arms. You know, Joe Biden himself has said that uh, he thinks that the Supreme Court wrongly decided the Heller case back in 2008. That was the case where the Supreme Court uh, uh, said, look, the Second Amendment is an individual right. It's a fundamental right. Uh, core purpose is self-defense in the home. That's not the only purpose, but that's the core purpose, self-defense in the home. And Washington, D.C.'s ban on handguns and their storage requirement, requiring uh, all of those grandfathered guns to be locked up, ammunition stored separately, so that you could not easily access a firearm for self-defense if somebody broke into your home. That, that was unconstitutional. Joe Biden said the, the Supreme Court got that wrong and that he would have decided different. Now, that's worth bringing up every time the Supreme Court is mentioned in a debate. And unfortunately, you know, President Trump didn't do that. Uh, again, when the issue of violence in, in cities came up and Chris Wallace tried to get, uh, you know, Donald Trump to condemn uh, the Proud Boys and try to get Joe Biden to condemn Antifa and both of them kind of hemmed and hawed. This would have been another perfect opportunity, I think, for the president to 
uh, bring up the issue of the Second Amendment and talk about the response, not by the part of lawmakers to the increased violence in our cities, but the response by law-abiding Americans. Again, we've had record-setting gun sales in this country every month since March. The National Shooting Sports Foundation estimates that as many as 5 million Americans have become gun owners for the very first time since November, since January of this year. And by the time Election Day rolls around, that number could be closer to 7 million, maybe even 8 million. So when we're talking about the, you know, the response to violence, I think that's a key component for President Trump to talk about, look, Americans in, in these cities that are failing to protect them, cities like Portland and Chicago, even in New York City, applications, because you have to apply to exercise your right in New York City, but applications to keep a gun in your home have doubled compared to what they were last year. So even in New York, we're seeing this response from Americans to say, I'm worried about my personal safety. I'm worried about the safety of my family, and I want to protect them. And Joe Biden wants to remove those protections. Again, he wants to demand that any American who owns a magazine that can hold more than 10 rounds of ammunition, turn that magazine over to the federal government. And if they don't, somehow they have to register that magazine. I don't even know how you do that, given that ammunition magazines aren't serialized. There's no way to really register it. But under Joe Biden's plan, he says, listen, you either got to turn them in or you got to uh, register them with the government and you got to pay $200 per magazine for the privilege of maintaining possession of that magazine. This is another opportunity, I think, where the president uh, could have gone after Joe Biden in terms of his gun control policies that would make America less safe and that would make Americans less safe uh, even in their homes. Now, I don't know if we're going to see, honestly, a second debate. I don't know. We'll, we'll probably get a vice presidential debate. I think that'll happen. I, don't, I honestly don't know if we're going to see another debate between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Uh, I imagine Democrats are going to try to say, wow, this was this was an absurd exercise. No way should a Joe Biden dignify the office of the presidency by holding another debate with Donald Trump, uh, in part because, you know, I don't think Biden did particularly well uh, during the debate last night. I, I, you know, I jokingly said on Twitter, somebody had asked, oh, Mike Cernovich had asked uh, who's winning the debate. And I said the liquor industry. <laughs> that was my immediate response. Uh, and I don't know that the debate did a lot for the Trump campaign. I don't know that it did a lot for the Biden campaign. I don't think it was a game changer. Uh, if you're a Trump supporter, I don't think you woke up this morning thinking, well, no, can't vote for that guy. If you're a Biden supporter, I don't think you woke up this morning going, boy, I, I, was, I, was, all, I, was, I was all on board until I saw him last night. Nope, 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 nope. And even the undecideds out there, I don't know that this debate actually swayed a lot of folks. Maybe it swayed them not to vote at all, but I don't know if it swayed them into either the Trump uh, or the Biden camp. So personally, I would actually like to see a second and third presidential debate. I really would. And I'd like to see President Trump uh, go after Joe Biden on these issues that are important, again, to tens of millions of American voters. I know that the president says that he's a Second Amendment supporter, and I appreciate that, and I believe it. And I know what the president has done in terms of, you know, nominating judges to the bench who actually understand and respect our Constitution, including our Second Amendment. And that's critically important for the president to point out as well. President Trump did do a good job of talking about the number of judges uh, that he's appointed over the last four years and actually chiding Joe Biden and Barack Obama uh, for leaving so many of these judicial positions unfilled. 
that 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 was a a, a solid blow uh, on the part of Donald Trump uh, when it came to that debate. But there's 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 a lot that the president left on the table uh, that the president could bring up and should bring up uh, in future debates. Also, you know, when you talk about the vice presidential debate, I think there are uh, a lot of openings for Mike Pence as well. Uh, you know, Kamala Harris being a former prosecutor there in California, defending uh, California's uh, gun laws. I would bring up uh, the Biden-Harris plan to ban magazines over 10 rounds, for example. And if I were Mike Pence, I would I would point out California has that law. And a federal judge, in fact, a not only a U.S. district judge, but but the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, a, a three-judge panel on the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, ruled that law to be unconstitutional. And I would, I, would, I would absolutely hammer Kamala Harris over that. So you want to put in place a law that federal judges in California say violates the constitutional rights of the 40 million residents who live there, rather than actually acknowledge and respect that decision, you want to expand this law. And you want to put it in place at the federal level to encompass 350 million American citizens. And oh yeah, by the way, Kamala, you also say you want to reimagine policing. You say you want to reimagine the criminal justice system. Well, if that's the case, then why do you keep bringing up all these old school gun control bills? Why do you keep talking about arresting your way to safety and, you know, banning these guns, putting people in prison for something that right now is considered the exercise of a constitutional right? If you're talking about reimagining policing, that, that's, that's, that's turning that into a nightmare. I mean, that's not a pipe dream. That's a dystopian vision of the uh, immediate future that Kamala Harris and Joe Biden want to put in place. And again, I think it is incumbent on uh, Donald Trump and Joe Biden, excuse me, Donald Trump uh, and uh, Mike Pence, to, to make the case to the average American as to why these policies are so dangerous. And you can do that in a couple of ways. You can certainly talk to your base, and you can make the constitutional argument. But, you know, if you're reaching out to, uh, to e- even some folks on the left, I mean, we kind of know, right, that the Constitution, for many people on the left, it's, it's not some sort, it's not a foundational document. It's something that, that they believe is malleable and changeable and not by amending the Constitution, but just by simply deciding it means something else all of a sudden. And at worst, they see the Constitution as a, a foundational document for a country that was established on racism and bigotry, and the Constitution must be destroyed along with every other institution, then you got to build on the ashes, right? Is there a way to actually make the pro-Second Amendment case to some of those folks on the left? Maybe not the, the far left, the ones that, you know, burn it all down! Uh, maybe not those folks. But for instance... If you believe, and I talked about this at, uh, at Bearing Arms yesterday, and we're going to actually continue this discussion tomorrow uh, a little bit more in depth. Ayanna Presley, congresswoman from Massachusetts, said on Tuesday that the racist roots of policing date back to the slave patrols in the South before the Civil War. Uh, and that ever since, meaning including today, Policing is, is rife with discrimination uh, and racist policies. Now, if Ayanna Presley believes that, she truly believes that, 
then why last year did she co-sponsor a bill in Congress that would have given grants to states to implement Massachusetts-style gun licensing laws? Now, the gun licensing laws in Massachusetts, well, they're, they're ripe for discrimination. Because if you, again, if you want to own a firearm, you've got to go down to your local police department, hat in hand, and you've got to beg permission. You've got to submit character references in some cases. That was part of the federal legislation that Ayanna Presley co-sponsored. You'd have to provide character references. Yeah. And even if you were legally eligible to own a farm, even if you, you, know, you weren't a convicted felon, you hadn't been adjudicated mentally defective, you, you uh, didn't have any domestic violence and misdemeanors to your name, even if you checked all those boxes and you could legally purchase a firearm under Presley's bill, it would be up to law enforcement to determine your suitability to own a firearm. I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I will freely admit that. But I'm really struggling to figure out how you can say on one hand that policing is inherently racist and on the other, give police more power to arbitrarily determine whether or not somebody gets to exercise their Second Amendment rights. That to me seems like a contradiction, right? And again, something that I believe that the uh, Trump and uh, 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 the President Trump and the Vice President could uh, bring up and really hammer Kamala Harris and Joe Biden on the debate stage about the inconsistency uh, in these positions. Because you kind of got to choose one or the other, right? I mean, you can either say that policing is, is awful and it needs to be uh, uh, reinvented and reimagined, which also means that you're, you're wanting to reinvent and reimagine the gun control laws that are on the books. Uh, or you can continue to embrace the same tired, stale, decades-old ideas of banning our way to safety. Right now, Democrats want to have it both ways. And I would love to see President Trump and Mike Pence call them out and say, all right, you, you got to decide which, which, which one's your priority, because you really can't have both. And I'm sure Joe Biden would him and haul and, rah, 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 all right, bub, listen up, man. And I'm sure Kamala Harris would you know, oh, huff and puff and roll her eyes and say that, uh, you know, Mike Pence was just engaging in some sort of a, a cheap stunt. But it's an honest to God question. And it's one that I don't think is going to be asked by the media, unfortunately. So I think it's going to be up to the candidates themselves uh, to do some of that heavy lifting. So those are my thoughts on the uh, uh, debate on Tuesday night. Again, I think some missed opportunities there for the president. Uh, not a, uh, a a game changer one way or the other, I think, for either candidate, but still some openings uh, in, in the debates ahead uh, for the president to land some blows when it comes to uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and their anti-gun plans for America. All right, let's get to today's Armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, our recidivist report as well. We'll start there, the case out of uh, Michigan, uh, this is from the uh, Detroit News. Man killed by police while stabbing girlfriend had long criminal record. 43-year-old James Lukaswitz actually had 10 felonies on his record. 10. Yeah. He was on parole for a 2015 conviction in Livingston County, Michigan for home invasion, as well as assaulting, resisting, and obstructing a police officer when he absconded from the parole office four days before he was killed, again, while he was stabbing his girlfriend. 
The uh, police chief in Dearborn, Michigan, Ronald Haddad, said at a press conference on uh, Sunday that officers were dispatched to a distress call at an apartment building that actually responded to a, a domestic violence call at the building the previous evening. But by the time officers arrived, the man who had reportedly uh, been threatening residents was gone. Haddad said when his officers arrived at the building on Sunday morning, they heard a woman's cries for help. They forced their way into an apartment where they found the suspect in the bathroom stabbing his 39-year-old girlfriend. A uh, 15-year veteran Dearborn officer opened fire, killing the Kasewitz. Uh, Chief Haddad said our officers relied on their training and did what they were supposed to do this morning. So I guess, you know, the biggest question to me is why was Lakesiewicz actually out on the streets to begin with? I mean, it was just five years ago that he was convicted of a home invasion, which you would think would put him behind bars for at least five years. But that clearly wasn't the case. They say his criminal history dates back to 2002. That was a a cocaine possession arrest. In addition uh, to the home invasion charges for which he was on parole, uh, he had four convictions for drug possession, two additional home invasion convictions, two larceny convictions, and a conviction for operating a vehicle while impaired. He also violated parole in uh, 2004. Uh, after his conviction in Livingston County, the Detroit News says on the 2015 home invasion, as well as assaulting, resisting, and obstructing an officer, Lucasewood served nearly, nearly four years in prison, which is not nearly enough time, given that that was his third felony home invasion conviction. He was granted parole in November of 2019. Michigan Department of Corrections spokesman Joel Craddy says he was last seen by his agent on September 18th. He was listed as an absconder on September 23rd. Well, again, nearly four years in prison is not nearly long enough for a guy with the criminal history that uh, Luke Hasewitz had there in Michigan. On to our uh, Armed Citizen Story of the Day. An update for you on a uh, story I am sure you remember. Jack Wilson, uh, who was forced to shoot and kill a man who opened fire in a Fort Worth church last December, has finally and officially been cleared of any possible charges by a grand jury in Texas. Now, I, I don't I don't think that Jack Wilson was really ever at any risk of facing any charges. He was clearly acting not only in defense of himself, but in defense of every other parishioner uh, there at the uh, West Freeway Church of Christ. This was December 29th in a White Settlement, just outside of Fort Worth. Remember this? Uh, he fatally shot a, uh, a guy named Keith Kanunen after uh, Kanunen had uh, already shot two parishioners. Wilson grabbed his gun, fired a single shot that uh, ended the attack. 260 other people inside the church at the time. Uh, prosecutor with the Tarrant County DA's office said on Monday that Texas law allows a person witnessing somebody placing others at risk of serious injury or death to act with deadly force to protect others. Wilson's already been awarded the Medal of uh, Courage by Governor Greg Abbott for his actions. That's the highest civilian honor in the state of Texas. So, again, I don't think there was any real uh, threat uh, to J- that Jack Wilson was going to face prosecution here. As for why it took so long for Wilson to actually get cleared, again, I think you're going back to some of the problems that have uh, been evidenced in, in the criminal justice system around the country since the coronavirus closures, you know, a lot of courts basically shut down. A lot of grand juries not impaneled uh, for months and months. And so what likely was a very easy call for a grand jury to make took some time 
for the uh, grand jury to actually be established uh, and 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 hear the evidence uh, in this case. So good news for uh, Jack Wilson. Uh, this chapter of his life, I, I think, uh, officially, we can close the books on it. I know that uh, he is going to be uh, uh, still talking about what he did. Obviously, that was a very important moment in his life and the lives of those 260 other people who were saved uh, by his quick thinking and his actions. But uh, I'm glad to see the good news that a, a grand jury has formally cleared Mr. Wilson of any potential charges. Finally today, our good deed of the day from Orlando, Florida, where an officer is being uh, honored for helping to save the life of a child last month in a uh, car accident. Officer Curtis Narasson uh, was on duty one night last month. Uh, got called out to a car crash. When he arrived, uh, he found a baby there in the wreckage. Wasn't breathing. But uh, Officer Narasin uh, said it just happened to be the right place at the right time. He wasn't even in his department's jurisdiction, really, but uh, he, he was in the area on another case. And when he saw the crash, he stopped to help. And as he got there, he, he looked and he saw the, the baby alone in a back seat. He discovered that the little girl, who was 15 months old, wasn't breathing. He said um, he just kind of went into autopilot, said he wasn't even really thinking, but just started rendering first aid. And he said, uh, hearing that infant cry and her fighting for her life, there are things that just won't leave you, and that won't. According to uh, WESH-TV, doctors from Arnold Palmer Hospital said the baby needed hospital care for several days, uh, but left thriving. That was the word that they used. They credit that to the life-saving attention that she got from Officer uh, Narason. Police Chief Orlando Rowland says it shows how many different hats an officer must wear. He says this is why officers get uh, yearly retraining, even though it's only required every four years in the department. says it's an example of the return on that investment. And uh, Officer Narason, when, when he was honored uh, by the uh, local hospital there, he pointed out that he was not alone. Uh, and acting to save that baby's life. He said that there were bystanders, there were other first responders. When uh, the baby was got, you know, taken to the hospital, healthcare workers, he said uh, it just goes to show the great things that can happen when the community and law enforcement do come together and work together. The uh, Orlando Health Arnold, Arnold Palmer Hospital doctors say that the uh, hospital's life-saving award is uh, given out very rarely. But that uh, Officer Narason uh, absolutely deserved it. And so in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing, Officer Curtis Narason, we thank you, sir, for your very, very good deed. That is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. Uh, tomorrow on the program, like I said, we're going to continue this discussion about what I think is 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 really bubbling up under the surface of the gun control movement uh, the inherent contradiction between gun control laws, the traditional, you know, bans on guns, magazines, discriminatory licensing, all of those things that are designed to reduce legal gun ownership, uh, and the idea that we need to reform or reimagine policing. I think these are two very contradictory things, and I don't think that uh, they can peacefully coexist uh, in the Democratic coalition. 
So we're going to talk with Jane Coaston from Vox. I invited Jane to come on the program. She's a very thoughtful person, very uh, smart person, uh, and somebody who um, paid a lot of attention to on Twitter over the past few months. She's uh, uh, written extensively about gun control issues, uh, but also written extensively about policing. And, and I wanted to get somebody, I specifically wanted to get somebody who, who I know won't agree with me 100%. Now, I'm not looking for a debate. I'm not, I'm not looking for an argument. But I'm actually looking for a different perspective because, as I said, I'm having a really hard time figuring out how these two issues coalesce for the left. And I want to know, am I off base or is this an actual thing? So we'll provide more evidence for my theory that this is going to be a real problem for Democrats. That ultimately, and, and I think sooner rather than later, probably after the election, but still pretty soon, they're going to have to decide what their priority is going to be. Is it going to be reimagining policing or is it going to be imposing more of the same old gun control laws on american gun owners that's coming up on tomorrow's bearing arms cam and company in the meantime don't forget you can subscribe to town hall media on youtube that way you'll never miss a program you can also subscribe to bearing arms cam and company uh via soundcloud or spotify or stitcher wherever you get your podcasts coming up this afternoon 1 30 eastern probably by the time you see this this will have come and gone but you can catch it on demand if you're a vip gold member of town hall media you can catch the live chat with ed morrissey and myself going over the tuesday night debate and more have a great rest of your hump day wednesday we will see you again tomorrow but in the meantime be well be safe be free and we'll see you soon with another edition of bearing arms cam and company